Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Colossians 3.16, that it dwells among us richly. And we thank you, Lord, Hebrews chapter 4, that your word is living and active and strong. And we just release that word this morning that will go forth and change lives. Father, we declare that you are watching over your word. You said in Jeremiah 1.12, you are watching over your word to perform it. And we declare Isaiah 55 and verse 11, that your word will not return void and empty. It will do what it was sent to do. It will prosper in every area, and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So God is love, and we are taking some time and going through the passages in 1 John chapter 4. We will not read all of those, but really, it would really benefit you this week if you can take 30 to 40 minutes and and listen to this. This is something we need over and over and over again. It's kind of like exercise. How many of you know you cannot exercise one time and expect to be healthy? I've tried, it didn't work. How I many you know you can't exercise one time and expect to lose weight? you got to do it over and over and over again. So this is really something we need to invest in. Honestly, this is something the enemy attacks. There's certain things in our faith and in our walk with the Lord that Satan doesn't want you to know. He doesn't want you to understand. And I'm telling you, under the authority of the Holy Spirit, this is one of those topics. Satan does not want you getting a revelation of how much God loves you because it is the key to receiving everything from the Lord. So let's just jump in here this morning. First John 4. Jared, I'm going to jump around a few verses here, so try to hang with me. We're just going to review for just a moment. All right, First John 4, let's look at verse 7. And First John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. We'll read later on that not only is love from God, but we read that God is love. God does not have love. God is love. You cannot separate God from love. So notice here the Scripture says, For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And then we read verse 8. It said, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So you can tell me all day long that you're a follower of Christ. You can tell me all day long how much you love Jesus. You can tell me all day long how much you love your church. But the proof is in the pudding. Can I have an amen? If If the cake rises, then we know the ingredients are correct. If you are walking with God, then you love one another. You have love for one another. Look at verse 9. By this, the love of God was manifest. That means made known, means brought to light, means it was revelated, illuminated. By this, the love of God was manifest in us, that God sent His one and only begotten Son into the world. God sent His Christ into our mess. He sent Christ into the world so that we might live through Him. And then verse 10 says, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the payment or propitiation for our sins. And that word propitiation means appeasing, meaning God is holy. How many of you know that God is holy? God cannot live in the presence of sin. And so a whole, how can a holy God allow me to enter into His presence? His wrath had to be appeased. And Jesus came as the payment for our sin, and He appeased the wrath of God. Say this out loud. Say, God is not mad, God is not mad. at me. That's true. God is not mad at me. And so look at verse 11. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Verse 12, and then we're going to move on into some other passages. No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, 
God abides. It means remains. It means stays. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now that Greek word perfected, if you look at that in the original language, means mature, means grown up, means we can grow up and mature in our love and in our revelation of God's love. So let me give you here just briefly a couple of PowerPoints for life. Jared, pull up the first PowerPoint for life. And this is what we talked about. Don't tell me you love God. Show me you love God by loving. Don't just tell me. We've got to put action to our faith. Now look at the next PowerPoint for life. We talked about not fearing God. 1 John 4.18 says there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out, throws out fear. And this is what we said. When we come to know God as our Father, this is what I want you to hear this morning. When we come to know God as our loving Father, we no longer fear Him as judge. You do not have to approach God as the cowardly lion. How many of you have seen The Wizard of Oz? I mean, wish you'd never seen The Wizard of Oz. There's a few of guys. You all remember the cowardly lion when he went up to the Oz and he was just shaking, shaking, shaking because he was so afraid. So many believers approach God as the cowardly lion. But Hebrews chapter 4 says that we can boldly approach the throne of grace to find mercy and to help in our time of need. We can approach God's throne with confidence. Why can I be confident when I go to God in prayer? Because He loves me. Because He's my Father. He's not just my judge. He is my Father. And I can have confidence in that day of judgment. Now, we talked about some characteristics of love. I want you to see these. This is on the podcast from last week. We gave you some characteristics of love. Number one, love is not a feeling. Look at your neighbor and say, I really don't care how you feel. I really don't care how you feel. Some of you husbands and wives like that a little bit too much. Audrey, you like that too much there telling your mom. I really don't care how you feel. We cannot live by our feelings. Feelings are good. Thank God for feelings. Let them in the car. Just don't let them drive. Can I have an amen? Thank God for emotions. The Lord gave them to us. But love is not a feeling. And why is that? Because love is not an emotion. I know we have emojis on our phone that are hearts and that say we love and the little heart with the little beaming lines. And, and But that is an emotion. That is an emoji. That is not love. Love is a choice, meaning I choose to love you. Meaning, if my wife is behaving or not, which she does behave, can I have an amen? If my lovely wife is behaving or not, my love for her is not based on her. My love for her is based on me and my character. And therefore, every day when I get out of bed, I choose to love that woman. Well, pastor, we just fell out of love. You were, you don't fall in and out of something that you choose. Love is a choice. Every single day when I get up, I choose to love you. This morning, as I was up at 4 a.m. because I couldn't sleep, so excited about this message. So if I take a nap during my preaching, somebody just wake me up. As I was laying in bed, tossing, turning, meditating over and over again on God's love this morning, it, guess what? When I, when I came in the door, I said, I choose to love these people this morning. It's a choice. Love is not a feeling. If you attach your love to emotions, then it's up and down, up and down. But if you just make it a choice, then it's very consistent and very steady. Let me tell you this too. I was talking to someone just this week about this. Don't attach your happiness and your joy to another person. I love my wife. I choose to love her. Some days she really has to choose to love me, but uh, you understand. But my, my happiness is not attached to her. Now, we are very happily married, but I do not look to my wife for joy. I do not look to my wife for happiness. That's why Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Why would we rejoice? 
rejoice in the Lord. Why would I put my joy and happiness and contentment in the Lord? Because He never changes. Have you noticed people change? Lops, have you ever met people that changed? Have you noticed people aren't always the same? You may love somebody one day and have trust for someone one day, and they can break that trust and let you down the next. So if you attach your happiness and your joy and your love into a person, you're going to be up and down and up and down. And if you ever see someone who is on the Christian roller coaster, one day they're you know, way up here, the next day they're, you gotta dig them out of the ditch, and the next day they're way up here, and you're trying to bring them down, and then they're on the Christian roller coaster because they have not yet figured out that our happiness and our joy belongs in Jesus, because Jesus never changes. That's why when you see me week in and week out, Mary, what's it been? Five and a half, six years now. Every week she can tell you, I come in, doesn't matter what's going on. I'm joyful because my joy's in Jesus, and it's not in people. My joy's in Jesus, not the bank account. My joy's in Jesus, not church attendance. If you ever come on a Wednesday night, sometimes Wednesday nights have a great crowd. Sometimes if it's raining, fair weather fans stay home. I understand. Sometimes it's a small crowd. We will preach and teach with just as much energy, joy, and enthusiasm. You know what I learned a long time ago? You preach to the ones that are here, not the ones that are not. And you know what? I don't walk in the door with anything. In, I don't walk in the door and let anything deter, deter my joy because it's in Jesus and He never changes. So I want to encourage you, love is a choice. Love is based on the character of the giver, not the receiver. Meaning you love your children no matter what. It's unconditional because you love your children. It's not based on what they do. Look at the next screen, Jared. I want you to see these other points here as far as characteristics of love. Let's go on down to the next ones here if you can. Number six says this, love is unselfish. Love is unconditional without condition. God's love for us and our love for others should be a commitment. Love requires a commitment. Say this to me. Say, love is a choice. So we talked all about that. We looked at some scriptures, and I want you to, to get that resource and catch up with us. Because what I want to talk about this morning is receiving God's love. Receiving God's love. How many of you have ever won a prize? Won something, some kind of prize. How many of you let that prize go unclaimed? Anybody in the house? Why did you go claim the prize? Because you were given something. Wouldn't it be silly if you were given a lottery ticket and it was the winning ticket and you didn't go claim it? That would be silly, especially if you didn't give your tithe to the church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's get our priorities straight. And then send your favorite pastor on a cruise. Hallelujah. And while you're at it, I've got a mortgage if you really want to be generous. I mean, you're pushing, you're like, well, I'll keep pushing. Amen. So when we're given something, we have to receive it. We have to take it and receive it. God's love has been given, but we must receive it. So I want to take a few minutes this morning, and I want to open the Scriptures in Ephesians chapter 3. The greatest thing that I can give you is a revelation of God's love. I want to help you receive God's love this morning. And what's going to happen as, as I've been praying this week over you, I believe that capsules of God's love are going to just be be filling the room, and, and it's going to hit different ones of you at different times, and I'm going to keep chopping at the tree, chopping at the tree, going to keep churning the butter for you farmers out there. We're going to keep working this because it's something we need over and over and over again. And as I'm preaching, capsules of God's love are just going to hit you in a way that you've never experienced before. And so we're going to talk about Ephesians chapter 3, receiving God's love. Look at verse 14. I appreciate our college students up here taking notes, man. I love it, I love it, I love it. You can even re-preach it. Don't even have to give me credit. All right. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, for this reason. 
We ought to have purpose. We ought to have intentionality when it comes to getting a revelation of God's love. For this reason, Paul, the great apostle, said, I bow my knees before the Father. So number one, write this down if you're taking notes. This is a prayer. This is a prayer. If Paul prayed this over his church, should we not pray this over our lives and our church? We should pray this. So he said, from, he said, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. He's talking about God our Father and that we're all one family. The great thing about the kingdom of God is it doesn't matter your background or your culture or your ethnic background or race or anything like that. When we come into the kingdom of God, we are all one family. And it says, from whom all the families derives its name. Now look at verse 16. That he would grant you that he would grant you. Now, if if God's love is just something that is is open and if God's love is received by all the same way and if God's if the revelation of God's love is something that every believer receives exactly the same time and same way, why would Paul pray that it would be granted? And the reason I tell you this, this prayer is in here by the Holy Spirit because this is a giant roadblock in the kingdom of God. This is a giant roadblock to you receiving what God has for you. Notice here it says that He would grant you. True Christianity is God granting us. All the religions in the world is man doing the work and doing the work and presenting it to an angry God. Christianity is God doing the work and presenting it to man hoping He would accept His gift. God did all the work, now He gives it to you and I, and we must receive it. Notice here, it says, for this reason, I bow my knees, and I pray that God would grant you according to the riches of His glory. Now, does it say that God would grant you according to how good you are? Does it say that God would grant you according to how much you give? Does it say that God would grant you according to your level of holiness? Meaning you don't drink, smoke, or chew, or one with those that do. Does it say that God would grant this to you based on how much you come to church? Does it say that God would grant this to you because of, of your parents and the way they love God? No, it says He would grant it to you because of the riches of His glory. So when God goes to grant me things, He dips into the riches of His glory. Now, at home, we have four children, and they are discovering the value of money. They're discovering the value of doing things for money. And so Lillian now is is occasionally, more now, sleeping in her bed all by herself all night long. Can we give God thanks in this place? Hallelujah. But now when she gets up in the morning, we, we used to give her a coin. And because I'm a good dad, I'm a loving dad, I would give her a penny because a penny means the same to Lillian as a quarter. She doesn't understand the difference. Don't you dare tell her, okay? <laughs> but now she's been hanging out with brother and sister. And brother and sister are like, oh, that's just a penny. You can't do anything. Would you hush, would you hush your mouth up, please? Would you be quiet? You're running a good thing. And so now Lillian sleeps in her bed all night, and she gets up, and she wants a dollar. She has been corrupted. Y'all pray for your pastor. If she talks to her mother, she's going to want 20s. No, I don't want a dollar. You know, give me the 20. I was to, come on, that was a joke. The ladies didn't like that very much. But I love you. You're, you're really sweet, Miss Tara. I love you with all my heart. So, so, so when, when Lillian would want something, when I would grant her something, I would dip into the not-so-good fund, my penny jar. It takes a lot of pennies to make any substantial anything. Now my dad, he keeps them and like in a year he'll have enough to go get a Coke and he's all excited. Got my Coke with my pennies. I don't have time to mess with it. I, pennies don't mean a lot to me. And so I've got a penny jar. I would dip down in the not so good jar. And then she wanted the dollar. I've got to dip into a little bit 
better reservoir. You know, that means a little bit more to me because that's a McDonald's cup of coffee, praise God. That has value now. Now we're talking about something. And so, but but when God grants to us, he, he doesn't dip out of the penny jar. Listen, listen, listen. He doesn't even dip out of the dollar bills. He dips out of the riches of his glory. He dips out of the riches of his glory. Why? Because he loves us. Notice this here, that God would grant you according to the riches of His glory, that you would be strengthened with power. Now that Greek word power is the word dunamis. We get our English word dynamite from it. Explosive, dynamic power. God wants to strengthen you with power. Notice this, through His Spirit in the inner man. Let's keep this verse up here for just a few moments. If we want to see God do things on the outside, if we want dynamic power in our life externally, it starts on the inside. This is an inside job. This is an inside-out job. The Bible talks about working out your salvation. We do not work for salvation, but we work it out. God works it in, and you work it out. And so I want to show you a revelation here that God would grant you, according to the riches of His treasury, the riches of His glory, that you would be strengthened. You would have mighty power through His Spirit in the inner man. The power to do what? I'll show you this. Let's keep reading. So look at verse uh, 17. Verse 17 says this, so that Christ would dwell in your hearts, Ephesians 3, 17, so that Christ would dwell in your hearts, that through faith that you would be rooted and grounded in love. And so we're talking here about a power, and we're talking about the riches of God's love. Yes, God loves me, but not because of me, not because of what I do. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. I put it in my notes. My value in Him nor my receiving from Him is based on my actions. It's based on Jesus. So God grants out of the riches of His treasury. Look at Romans 4.16. I want you to see this. Romans 4.16 backs up this thought in the Amplified Version. It says, therefore, inheriting the promise. How many of you want to inherit the promise of God? It says, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith. Somebody say this when we say, the promise depends on faith. Now I want to tie this in. Notice this here. The promise is the outcome of faith. It depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace. Notice this here. What is grace? It's unerited favor. Now notice this. It says to make it stable. Make what stable? The promise. To make it valid. What valid? The promise. If I make you a promise of a million dollars, it's not valid because I don't have a million dollars. And if if my promises to you are just on my human strength, they would not be very stable. They could be up. They could be down. Notice this here, that the promises are made stable, they're made valid, and they're guaranteed to all the descendants of Abraham. And so here's what I'm talking about. Look at this in John 1.16. This is what we're talking about. John 1.16 says this, For out of His fullness... So God would grant you to be strengthened with might in your inner man that you would have the power so that you would know Christ. And as we know that love, it activates our faith. And notice what happens in John 1, 16, one of the best scriptures in all the Bible. For out of His fullness, for out of His fullness. How does God bless you out of His fullness? God is not just scraping the corners of heaven trying to find something to give you. He gave you His best called Jesus. Every promise in the Bible is yes and amen. God is not withholding from you. God is not withholding His love and His favor and His blessings from you. He is giving to you out of His fullness. So why are we empty? Why are we empty emotionally? 
Why are we empty? Maybe physically, maybe financially. Why are we empty spiritually? God has given to us out of His fullness. How many of you want to tap into the fullness of God? Then we've got to tap into the love of God. Notice this here. Out of His abundance, out of His fullness, we have all received. Past tense, it's already been given. We've had a share. We were supplied with one grace after another. You should pray this, by the way. You should pray this every day. We've been supplied with one spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. We've been supplied with favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. This is the way I would start every morning. Lord, I just confess, John 1, 16, that for out of your fullness, out of your abundance, I am receiving and I'm supplied with grace after grace. Today I'm supplied with spiritual blessing after spiritual blessing. Today I'm supplied with favor upon favor. Today I'm supplied with gift upon gift. Why? Because because you love me. Because you love me. So notice this here as we go back now into Ephesians 1. I want you to see this very clearly. Let's go back to 3, Ephesians 3. Let's go back to verse 17. So Paul's praying that they would be granted a spirit of wisdom and power so they would know Christ, would, that He would dwell in their hearts through faith and that you would be rooted and grounded in love. Somebody underline that phrase in your mind, rooted and grounded in love. And then write this down in your notes. Love establishes us. Love is the foundation for everything we're going to receive from faith. So Christ is in our hearts through faith. We know that faith pleases God. And our faith is established and rooted and grounded in love. Hey, that was pretty cool. He just underlined it. Come on, can we encourage the AV team this morning? Come on, that was awesome. Notice this here. And the verse disappears. No, I'm just kidding. Keep it up. Love is the very foundation of my faith. Now, here's what I want to show you, all right? Love is the thing that firmly establishes us. What does love establish us in? The covenant of God, God's goodness, His fullness. God wants to give to you of His fullness. God wants to give to you of the riches of His treasury. Having been rooted, having been grounded, love is the foundation for our faith. If you are not rooted and grounded in love, then when the storm comes, you will not be able to stand. Let me explain. When the storm comes, if you're not rooted and grounded in how much God loves you, you will think God sent the storm to you. But if we read scriptures, God was not in the sending the storm business. God was in the calming the storm business. Nowhere do we see, now boys, we got to just ride this storm out because this is from God. No, when the storm came, when life happens, we live in an evil, cursed world. When the storm came, Jesus spoke and calmed the storm. And if you do not have a, a foundation of how much God loves you, an appropriate view of God's love, then you will not be able to stand when the storm comes. Now let's go to verse 18, Ephesians 3, 18. Look at your neighbor and say, this is about to get good. This is about to get good. What do you mean? It's already been good. What are you talking about? About Notice this here. So keep 18 up, Jared, and let me just catch you up where we are. Paul prayed that the Father in heaven would grant to us according to His riches. It's not according to us, not according to what you have done or haven't done or do, that we would be strengthened with might and power and His Spirit in our inner man. And Paul here is praying that Christ would dwell in our hearts and that we would, through faith, we would be rooted and grounded and established in love. Now, once you are established in God's love, meaning that it's not based on you, it's not based on what you have done or haven't done, once you are established in unconditional, unselfish love of God, then notice what happens. You can comprehend. 
Now that word comprehend in the original language means to seize or take eagerly. Meaning this revelation of how much God loves us, it's something that we must seize and we must take eagerly. Now notice this. Why do we need the power of the Spirit in our inner man? So we can comprehend, so we can understand, so we can seize, take eagerly with all the saints. Somebody say, all means me. Meaning that this revelation of God's love is not just for the pastors. This revelation of God's love is not just for the missionaries. This revelation of God's love is for all the saints. Now notice this here, that we would know the, the breadth and the length. And breadth means width, basically. We would know the width and the length and the height and the depth. Well, I know God loves me. Well, do you know the width of God's love? Do you know the depth of God's love? Do you know the, the height of God's love? You do not have the market cornered on how much God loves you. As a matter of fact, next time you go out of the room and out of the door and the first time you sin, what's going to be under attack? How much God loves you. Well, God's not going to favor you today because remember what you did last week? Remember how you missed the mark and sinned? Anybody in the room not sin? I know Miss Tara is really close. She's almost perfect, but, but she even has sinned. Anybody in the room not sin? What, what was under attack as soon as you sinned? That you got to pay for this sin. You got to pay for this. How can you pay for it? The wages of sin are death. Even if you died, does that pay for it? How can you pay for your sin? You can't. Who paid for it? Jesus. The only one who could pay for it. So what does the scripture say? When we confess it and forsake it, now not playing with sin, not playing around, messing games, I'm talking about true, honest repentance. When we confess it and forsake it, you cannot pay for it, let it go. You cannot pay for it no matter how hard you want to. Don't let that keep you from God blessing you. Well, I don't know if God's going to bless me or love me you know, this week because of what I did. It's not about you. That's the problem. It's not about you. Religion says it's about you. God says it's about my son Jesus. Now, should you be holy? Yes. We're going to talk all about this next week, how holiness opens the door for God to do what He wants to do. And unholiness, you guys understand, is, is unholiness a word? Is that correct term there? Not holiness or de-holy or unholy. We're going to say unholy. Susan's not here to help me, praise God. So our unholiness or the lack thereof of holiness opens the door to the devil. I'm going to show you that very clearly. It's not that it's not that it's stopping God and God doesn't want to love you and bless you. Our holiness opens the door for God to do great things in our life. What is holiness? Reading our Bible, following the Word, living right, right standards, morals, all that. So holiness opens the door for God. Unholiness opens the door for the devil. And so I want to show you this in a really powerful way. God wants you to comprehend. Why would Paul pray for this church to comprehend? Because they weren't getting it. They didn't understand. He said, I want you to grasp and seize and take eagerly. God wants you to dive into the deepest extremities of His love. So let's pull up the scripture here. The width of God's love is God's graciousness. It's His giving. The width of God's love, I believe, represents God's love will never end. His arms are wide enough to love all of His children. Yes, I'm His favorite, but you can be too. I'm His favorite, but I'm not the favorite. I'm just one of many favorites. I believe the, the width of God's love is, is the giving element of God. His generosity never ends. His goodness to us never ends. It's the width of God's love. And we'll put these on the internet later because I do need to move on. I know some of you are still writing. Look at the length of God's love. What does that possibly represent? God would go to any length to have you. God would go to any length to help you out. God would go to, can you pull up the next one, Jared? God would go to any length 
to make sure that He could be with you and in your presence. He is long-suffering. Have you heard long-suffering? The length of God's love speaks to God's merciful side. This is the compassionate side of God. Have you know every time that we fall short of the glory of God, we get a new revelation and a new glimpse of the merciful side of God. I've been walking in this revelation for, for about 18 years, and this week, this week, I was overwhelmed in study and prayer and preparation for this. I was actually driving down the road, meditating and just praying and, and listening to some scriptures on love. And I almost had to pull over because I was literally in my car, almost overtaken by, by God's love. It was a capsule of God's love. And when you've walked in God's love for so long, it, there's a tendency to almost become numb to how much God loves you and fresh just this week. So I could bring you a fresh droplet of God's love. The Lord just opened the windows of heaven and just put in a little drop of his love and I could almost not, I could barely stand it. It was amazing. So God's mercy, his compassion, listen friends, his mercies are new every morning. Just the other day, Noah had a little fault that he did, a little sin and we were walking through that, and I took him to the Scriptures. He'd, he'd kind of had a rough evening, and I said, you know what? It's bedtime. Let's go to bed and start over tomorrow. He said, what do you mean, Dad? I took him to Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 23, where it says his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. So what about the height of God's love? How high is God's love? Look at the next one. The height of God's love, as you'll see on the screen, if you'll pull up the next one, is God's lifting attribute. God's love lifts. How many of you have heard the old song, Love lifted me. I was in the pit, but love lifted me. I was in the miry clay, but God lifted me. There is a lifting attribute of God's love. That's why when you come in this place... Will always leave you lifted. This is God's encouraging side. This builds us up. This speaks to your tomorrow and says it can be better than your today. So the height of God's love, there's an upward calling in Christ Jesus. And then look at the deepness of God's love. What about the depth of God's love? Look at the next screen. The depths of God's love is, is what I believe could be his correction element. Because those whom he loves, he corrects. Those whom he loves, he has to discipline. And so God has to dig deep down inside. Sometimes many of you have a root of, of anger, or you have a root of bitterness, or you have a root of sin, and God has to dig down deep to fix that. God has to dig down deep to resolve that. Look at Psalm 36 and verse 5. Psalm 36 and verse 5 declares this, Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. So there are different elements of God's love. There are different facets of God's love. I want to finish this passage in Ephesians this morning. Let's look at verse 18 again. Ephesians 3, 18. So we get ready to wrap this up today. Somebody say, God loves me. Just as if I'm the only person in the world to love. So we can comprehend with all the saints, meaning this revelation is for everybody in the room. We can comprehend with all the saints how much God loves us and cares for us. His mercies are never ending. And notice this here that we can know the... Uh, breadth and width and height and depth. Now look at verse 19. I want you to see this. This is so powerful. And that we would know the love of Christ. Now that word know, again, it means husband and wife. Like when a husband and wife come together and know each other in intimacy, this is not just head knowledge. This is intimate, experiential knowledge. And how many know you got to know something in order to receive from God? That's why you should come to church. That's why you should read your Bible. That's why we need good teaching, because we need to know something. It says, and we know, we should know and experience the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. That word surpasses means goes way beyond, meaning this is not just an intellectual, 
intellectual love. This is not just something in your head. This is something that goes far beyond normal, natural knowledge. Notice this here, says that you would be filled up to all the fullness of God. You ready for this? You ready for this revelation? I love it, I love it, I love it. That word filled in the original language means to stuff or to cram. Just like some of you do when you eat. You stuff and you cram. I'm thinking of some kind of pastry with icing just stuffed in it, just crammed in it, stuffed and filled. It means to fill a hollow. So listen, God's desire for you, are you ready for this? God's desire for you is that you would know the love of Christ and that you would be filled up to all the fullness of God. What is connected to you being filled up to all the fullness of God? A deep revelation of God's love for me personally, the width, length, breadth, height. Now, what is God full of? Ooh, He's full of love. So you're to be filled with what God is filled with. Look at your number say, you're full of it. <laughs> you're full of it. You're full of God's love, praise the Lord. You're full of God's love. So God wants you stuffed and crammed with what He is stuffed and crammed with, and God is love. Look at this in the Amplified Translation. I think I have this, Jared, as we get ready to wrap this up. Look at Ephesians 3.19. I believe I have it there in the Amplified. Paul's praying for Jared. Paul's praying for Meshach. Paul's praying for Bree. Paul's praying for Joseph. Paul, I'm praying for Chad that, that you would really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you would be filled through all of your being. Go to the next one here. That you would be filled with all of your being. Look at the second part of this verse. That you would be filled to all of your being. Notice this here. It says, to all the fullness of God, so that you would have the richest experience of God's presence in your life. So that you would have the richest experience of the presence of God in your life. That you would be a body completely filled and flooded with God Himself. So why are we empty when God is calling us to be full? And, and how is our faith activated? What does this have to do with anything? Why do I need a revelation of how much God loves me? Why do I need to understand, comprehend, seize, take eagerly the different facets of God's love? Because you can be a body fully, wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. And what is God? God is love. Therefore, you're receiving from God based on love, not merit. Last scripture of the day, Ephesians 3.20. I want you to see this. So here is the capstone. Here's the end mark. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Same context, same passage. Now unto him who is able. How many of you believe God is able? Everybody believes God is able. But how do we get, can we be honest? Can, can we be honest this morning? How do we get from God is able? Oh yes, God's able to do that. God's. How do we get from God is able to God is doing, to or seeing? Not just God is able. Everybody in the building believes God is able. But do you believe God is able for you? Do you believe God is able for your family? Now unto Him who is able to do far more. Somebody say far more. Why do we limit God? We are stuck. We don't even believe God will do. We don't even believe God will do more. Let alone far more. It's hard to believe God will do. Let alone more. What about far more? How about exceedingly abundantly above? Anybody ever heard that? 
It says that we would, we would talk to him now and to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask, all that we think, according to what? The power that is what? Working with us. So listen, friends, let me connect these dots for you. You gotta come back next week. I'm out of time. You gotta come back next week. Except these guys. <laughs> hopefully they're somewhere else. Because that's how they're getting money to go on the field. So we'd love to see you next week, but hopefully we don't. It's kind of what I tell my doctor. I hope I never have to see you again. Praise the Lord. So now to him who's able. Watch this now. You ready for this? To do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask, think, or even imagine. Another translation says, according to the power that is working within us. you got to come back next week because I'm going to tie in God's love to the working power. God's love, this deep, in context, this deep working revelation of how much God loves us allows your faith to be energized. That word energized in the Greek language means to working. It means effective. It means a working, active power. So God is powerful, God is willing, and He is able, but it's according to something. It's what is being activated, what is working in your life. And if you do not have a deep revelation of how much God loves you, you will never see Ephesians 3.20. You'll never see exceedingly far, abundantly and above, all you can ask, think, or imagine, if you don't understand how much God loves you and cares for you. Your revelation of God's love lets you tap into Ephesians 3.20, or your lack thereof of the revelation of God's love blocks you from tapping into Ephesians 3.20. So you got to come back next week. Look at the summary, Jared, of this. I want them to see this summary. God would grant. God would fully enable. God would feel so that you can be strengthened, so that Christ would dwell in your heart, so that you could comprehend, so that you would know, so you can have Ephesians 3.20 in your life and in your family. Close your eyes with me if you can. Go ahead and play this video, guys. I want us to take just a moment and bring the lights down. And I want us to take a minute and dwell on God's love. And I want us to take a moment and receive God's love for just the next few minutes as they play this song. I just want you to worship where you are. And I just want you to prepare your hearts. And I want you to meditate on how much God loves you. When you come here next week, I'm going to give you a little handout with some scriptures that will help you meditate on God's love, meaning the hairs on my head are numbered, meaning that He loves the sparrow so much, how much more valuable am I? The Bible says that my name is written on His hand. The Bible says He loves me with an everlasting love. And so I'm going to give you some of these next week to help you because I'm going to walk you through this journey where when you get a revelation of God's love for you, it will open up Ephesians 3.20 to you. Go ahead, guys, if you can play this song here. I want us to worship for just a few minutes. This is the reckless love of God. This is the the love of God that goes deeper than we could ever imagine. Let God love you here for just a few minutes.